Hi everyone and welcome to Marketplace Jungle where we like to explore the world of marketplaces beyond Amazon. This is another Meet the Marketplace episode where I do my best to help you discover not only what channels exist beyond Amazon, but who the people are behind the scenes, how these marketplaces work to help sellers like you grow your business and determine which channels might make sense for you to expand your business to. In previous episodes, I've spoken to Limango from Germany, Allegro from Poland, and Frugo, a truly global marketplace. So if you haven't checked those episodes out yet, I'll leave the links to them in the show notes. Today's guest, though, is Kaz Patton, CEO at OnBuy, who, even though they're currently only active in the UK, were recently ranked by the Financial Times as the fastest growing e-commerce business in Europe. Now, Kaz is one of those people who you can tell from the beginning just lives and breathes for what he's building. And when you're that focused on one thing, it can be easy to push people away and to come across as disinterested or arrogant. But this conversation with Kaz really helped me to understand what's going on underneath his passion for building a better marketplace with a customer centric vision without hurting retailers really came through and and it helped shine on by in a whole new light for me. In this episode, expect to learn how OnBuy has become the fastest growing e-commerce website in Europe while only retailing from the UK, why customers would choose to buy from OnBuy rather than Amazon, why sellers should choose to sell on OnBuy, and what opportunities exist for you to stand out as a seller there, how Kaz measures success for the OnBuy team, and much more. Kaz, thank you so much for joining on Marketplace Jungle, where we like to explore the world of marketplaces beyond Amazon. And in that vein, you're here today to introduce, I would say, the company which has the best chance of giving Amazon a run for its money in the UK, onbuy.com. We'll take that. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Great to be here. Kaz, I have to ask, I remember a few years ago, I saw this plucky little startup pop up out of the UK called OnBuy, run figureheaded by yourself. And I was like, who's, who is this bloke? Where's he come from? And it's something that's in, it's been in the back of my mind the whole time. And I, I need to know your backstory. How did you get into the position that you're in today where, you're, where you started a marketplace? Like what series of events happened that made you start your own marketplace? Yeah, no, it's a really good question. And I think... Um probably a really good one to answer because there have been a few people that just thought I woke up one day and decided to open a marketplace like some crazy person. No, look, my my career led me here. When I I was 14, I was, um, which is a long time ago now, I was involved with helping businesses digitize. So back then it was the, you know, it was sort of coming to the 2000s and everyone wanted to be online. And I was helping businesses to create their websites, get them live. And basically already had started as a bit of an entrepreneur without really realizing that was you know the, the vision i just wanted to make a little bit of extra money and knew a little bit about you know the internet so i actually went in the royal navy and served in the royal navy um and while i was there i kept doing some of this as a bit of a a side income let's say and at some point in the navy um when i was selected to be a pilot i went off to go to university in bournemouth doing a law degree and I found that so slow. I decided I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I've been doing since I was 14, but maybe a bit more professionally. At this point, I was like 22, um, and yeah, I set up my first tech company, and within three years, 
Uh, the third year of university, I had 27 staff. We were operating in seven countries at that time. Um, and we'd really started to uh, grow in the e-commerce space, helping businesses to sell, uh, not just in the UK, but internationally. And at the time, there wasn't a great array of choice when it came to e-commerce platforms. So we built one um, and we launched around a thousand clients on it. It was a it wasn't a subscription model. It was very much a you know a customized um, play with each client. But fundamentally, we we gained a lot of experience, and then we moved into reverse e-commerce. So you know, buy back like mobile recycling markets and uh, all of those kind of technology plays. And we we were we were working in the U.S., Canada, across Europe, and um, yeah, I mean, then the business evolved into consulting clients to make the most out of e-commerce. Um, integration and all of the things that come with building a great e-commerce retailer. So all of a sudden we had around a thousand international clients, various different countries. We were dealing with marketplace strategies of how to grow on individual marketplaces or leverage channel integrations or improve data or whatever it was. And fundamentally marketplace always sparked my attention because we built a bit of a playbook for marketplaces for our clients and we were trying to help our clients get the most out of you know amazon for example and I, what i'd noticed from around 2008 to 2012 was my advice was evolving quite rapidly it had gone from saying look you know marketplaces are good they're great because they accelerate let's try and grow with marketplaces let's make this a, a big cornerstone of your learning you know you you can learn so much and we had a bit of a playbook that was really strong for our retailers to towards 2012 it was turning into marketplaces are good but you need to be careful you know they're not necessarily your friends they want your data they want to retail your products they will manufacture your products they will import your products they will and the strategies were changing into maybe we won't list everything on marketplaces maybe we should keep some things off marketplace maybe we should try and keep some of the core products you know on 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 the retailer's own website and really the strategy was changing and that wasn't because marketplace uh, in itself was bad it's the way that the marketplaces were operating was poor poor form you know conflict of interests all over the place without naming names you know retailers were, were losing margin consistently with the marketplace using the data to source the products or manufacture the products or manipulate the order of products to suit their own individual gains and at that point there was a point in 2012 where we had a thousand clients and i thought there's got to be a better way and that's where the original idea came from with Umbi. It was basically one of those entrepreneurial leaps that you say no there's got to be a better way and i'm sure that we could do it obviously the idea of if you sit in a, in a room with anyone on any given day they'll tell you 10 ways that any business could rerun better but in practice to execute a different vision was always going to be very difficult you know to launch an on buy you're 25 years behind every other marketplace you know so for me it was it was a really carefully calculated decision we shut down all of our other operations. I invested everything I'd saved and made from exiting multiple businesses and various things along the way. I put half a million pound cash into the venture to pull the first web developers together, gave it all my time, resource, my web developers, 
and literally move from everything we built, which was successful, started with relatively zero. And I bootstrapped my way to being a a successful tech leader on a smaller scale than on by, but still nevertheless successful. And I was very comfortable. And I decided, no, there's, there's, there's something to do here. There's something that could be better for retailers and sellers and brands. There's something that could be better for customers that can, you know, taking a longer term vision could be a, a much better product for various reasons. And we backed it. And that meant that we started development of Onbuy on the 1st of January, 2014. After a year or so, of almost two years of thinking and how would we do it and how should we plan? And we started the coding on January 2014 and it took until November 2016 to actually launch Onbuy, which was a long time to bootstrap something that had no income, no revenue. Um, and, you know, when we got to November 16, we decided, OK, it's time to go. But fundamentally, you know, all of those roads, all of that learning from being in the e-com space for now 17 years is, is really what's allowed me to get both sides of the coin, not just the business of marketplace, but understanding the retailer and then starting to truly understand what the customers want and advising those clients of mine has obviously allowed me to go, well, let me execute the playbook um, for ourselves on by and actually create something that allowed many retailers to benefit from a different way of doing things. Does that playbook continue to evolve as rapidly as it did in 2008, 2012? Yeah, I mean, you know, the faster when you're at the driving seat of a marketplace um, and a marketplace that has become the fastest growing e-commerce website in all of Europe, according to the Financial Times, which was a huge symbol of, um, you know, at least we're doing the right Congratulations. thing. Congratulations. Yeah, that's um, huge. Yeah, thank you. Um, and, you know, it's a huge win, it's particularly since today, we only retail in the UK. So to actually be the fastest growing e-commerce in all of Europe and only be in the UK um, goes some way to highlight that our business is definitely a, a viable platform. And if you're on the ground, it, you know, it's really good to call out the, and we enjoy, you know, getting the recognition, of course, but when you're going through it, it's very different to when you get the recognition. The recognition comes later, right? The Financial Times recognition for the growth is after we've done our accounts and the auditing, we submitted them and et cetera, et cetera. So when you're going through that actual growth, and we're talking about thousands of percent growth over a period, the change and the the pace and everything is just so is so unusual and so difficult to deal with. And the playbook is it is evolving rapidly. You know, you're imagine going from I remember the first time we hit a hundred thousand pounds in sales in our inventory in a given month. And we're like, okay, that's a good first milestone. And it was under a year to when we were then doing a million pounds a month. And then it was roughly another year to do 10 million pounds a month now those kind of volumes going through a platform going scaling up that quickly the infrastructure the team the processes the even just being able to cater with that even just going back to the basics we don't have enough toilets in our office to deal with the people that need to manage this volume and we're in a lease you know you you're growing so quickly that it's a constant change and i don't think until someone's been in those shoes, you, it's easy to comprehend that pace, that change. So it was a, 
the playbook is going to evolve when you're going through such substantial change over a short period. There's, there's so much in that. The first question I have, how long is it going to be just in the UK? Are there any plans to expand to Europe? Oh, there is. I mean, we were, we were actually going to launch into Germany um, just before Brexit. Um, so for us, it was a, a huge disappointment. You know, it, it was a huge letdown. We, we, we were ready to scale into Europe and it, and it, and it fell apart. And, you know, now we, we took the time to focus on the UK, watch how the landscape evolved in Europe and between Europe and the UK, make sure that, you know, by the time we came to do it, um, everything was a little bit more stable. And what we're now doing is to, towards the end of 2023, we will start our international um, rollout. So, you know, there's a, there's a big um, there's a big focus for us to internationalize because one of the things that some marketplaces really fail to do is is show that they can scale in a territory. There are some marketplaces out there that what they do is they've actually grown really quickly, but they've done so by scaling internationally. So it's quite easy to launch something in a country and grab the low-hanging fruit. And then if you launch in enough countries, you're grabbing enough low-hanging fruit that you can go, we're a really successful marketplace. But to be a truly successful business, you have to be able to prove you can scale in a market because if you can't scale, it's only with scale in an individual market that you can actually show viability because not everything's the same as you scale. It's not easy to make as much money. It's not easy to to grab that low-hanging fruit. You're now fighting amongst people who are you know, fighting for the same market share and it gets harder as you scale. So I think for us, we wanted to prove that Onbuy could scale in a market before we started to look to branch into new territories and then scale in those markets so that people also knew when we launch in a new location, it's we're not going anywhere. We're committed. We're going to see this through. This isn't going to be a, a small secondary wave for Onbuy. It will be absolutely at the, the forefront of our vision and mission. So, you know, for us, we've, yeah, absolutely. International is a is a huge, very important step for the business and it will actually start towards the end of 2023. That's exciting. That's really cool. I think there's going to be a lot of international sellers that have been looking at OnBuy as a successful marketplace in the UK, but have been looking at it through the lens of Brexit and going, is it worth me solving the Brexit piece of the puzzle for what is a relatively small market compared to what I can do over here in Europe? So I think the the success, that playbook that you've got and bringing that over, over to Germany, to France, to Spain, wherever's next, to actually allowing local sellers to have that successful partnership where they know that you've got the playbook in place, you know how to get traffic to that site. Sure, you're going to have to localize things. Sure, there's going to be teething pains as you go through and stumble through it. But for the fundamentals that are there, it's a much stronger opportunity than, for example, a German startup that is figuring out for the first time how to be a German marketplace which is you need to have that playbook if you want to give the Ottos, the Zalandos, the Kauflands a run for their money. In terms of market share, are you able to share any figures from the UK now? Obviously, we can't crystal ball it and, and one-to-one say that this is what would what it would be in, in another market. But in the UK, what kind of market share do you have compared to like an Amazon or an eBay? Yeah, we're, it depends on how you cut it, but relevant market share, which I think is really important for us in the lens that we look at, which is, you know, we're, we're, we're not looking at 
at the entire e-commerce market because we aren't in travel, we aren't in flights and, and a lot of the sites come under and we can't cover all products. There are exceptions. So when, when you when you look at the categories we cover, we're roughly about 1% and Amazon's about 28%. So the we're still a lot smaller than Amazon, but don't forget there are other considerations. When you take a, a view that marketplace selling on Amazon is roughly 50% of their business, um, then you could say we're between one and let's say 14% to Amazon. So actually we're making a pretty substantial play for the market share in the UK. And we're accelerating now because the credibility of OnBuy has reached such point that retailers and brands are more driven to sell on OnBuy now than they ever were because you know they, they were watching from the sidelines thinking, where's this going to go? Obviously watching from the sidelines doesn't help OnBuy to scale because the key to a marketplace is giving the customers ultimate convenience. They, they, they want a marketplace so that they don't have to shop around. So I think it's a really interesting time for us where we've reached the point of credibility. We're currently uh, onboarding around three to, depending on the month, three to 500 retailers per month onto OnBuy, which is pretty substantial numbers. So our market share is just going to keep climbing. And I mean, you've set the bar pretty high there. I mean, it's Amazon. You know, it's a, it, that's a, you're competing against the biggest, arguably the biggest name in the world, or, or at least in the Western world. So, you know, 1%, if you just think about 1%, is it sounds like a small number. But when you're comparing yourselves to Amazon, I mean, that's no small business. No, no. And I appreciate that. You know, one of the things that's really important, I think a lot of people always ask me, you know, how are you better than Amazon? What, what you know, how are you going to take on Amazon? How you, and the truth is when we started this, although yes, the, 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 the vision was born out of wanting to do something better, better for the retailer, better for the customer. And we'll come on to that in a minute, but the, the, actually everything we track, we don't even look at Amazon, you know, what, and I mean that, you know, it might be easy for someone to sort of say that and think, yeah, right. Okay. But in, in reality, we don't. What we focus on is trying to be genuinely the best for the customer. When If you go back in time, you have to remember that a lot of these marketplaces, including Amazon, say, we put the customer first. We're a customer-centric marketplace. And actually, if you watch how these marketplaces have evolved, there's a few arguments that that maybe has been lost along the way. So if you are a true, if you're truly interested in the customer and you build a marketplace that's really you want to be the best thing for the customer well i don't know let's let's pull out some key things let's say you could you could argue that actually being fair to sellers might be important to customers they might like to morally understand who they're buying with that's one thing that's a minor thing actually because customers are often a bit more fickle they want they want a, a lower price and that might be the only thing or speed or whatever but there is an element that could argue no people want to they want to make sure, especially in 2023, you know, it's not the 1990s. People want to know who they're doing business with and make sure that, that you know, that, that they're not ethically shopping in the wrong places. So that was an interesting lens. By being tricky, let's say, with sellers, some of these marketplaces where they're competing with them, finding other products, et cetera, et cetera. And if you go back to my playbook that we used to advise, which is definitely not an uncommon trend, which is we say to brands, do you really need to sell on marketplaces? You know, do, do you need to put everything on marketplaces? Certainly certain marketplaces. Do you want to keep that secret product off? Do you really want to share that data? Those kind of conversations end up, in if you look through the lens of a vision, ends up with the marketplace having less choice for the customer. Those things are missing. They're not going on. 
the rise of Shopify, the rise of big commerce, the rise of all those platforms are because there was a rise of retailers seeking to not do things only with marketplace. They want to they want to carve out their own bit. But we also know that customers want the convenience of marketplace. So it's not going to disappear. And in short, I think for on by being fair and reasonable and partnering with retailers ultimately longer term view delivers the convenience to a customer that becomes difficult for those moral morally questionable marketplaces to to keep up with the same pace eventually it's a vision right it's not today it's not tomorrow but there's a vision and my goal was very much be the best for the seller don't be a retailer we'll never retail it's a commitment that we made uh, and use that to leverage being a better marketplace overall and then the other thing that OnBuy does to, to to really steer to the customer, because then you still got the question, why would a customer buy from OnBuy? You know, why? Why would you do that? Why would you buy from a relatively new, maybe unknown marketplace, especially in, in our infancy? Why, why would a customer do that versus buying from an established world global leading marketplace that they know they've got protection and, and, and all of those kind of things? Why would you do that? And they know it's probably going to be delivered tomorrow in 50% of cases, right? Or today in 20% of cases. So, you know, that's a, that's a difficult question to answer. What I can say is that what we do is we we look at that through a slightly different lens. 50% of the sales that are made on Amazon are from marketplace sellers that don't use the Amazon ecosystem, right? Now, that's interesting because they're the sellers that sell through OnBuy. Plus, we actually have sellers that sell through OnBuy that ship the goods through FBA. So customers not necessarily getting a worse experience. We're not trying to dictate how goods should be delivered. We're agnostic when it comes to fulfillment. We're quite agnostic as long as the product arrives on time. So sellers are free to make decisions. So to the customer, they don't necessarily lose anything, but they also don't need to pay a subscription to gain some of the benefits. Additionally, we reward customers. So one of the things that we seek to do with the marketplaces that rewards customers, we give various rewards. And, and this year we're about to expand those rewards. And I'm hoping to come on again in a few months and share some of the big plans in that regard. But the idea is that we give customers value. There's, there's a reason to rely on OnBuy. And we slowly chip away at the blockers that would stop a customer from um, leaving the marketplace that they've used for a long time. So, you know, What are those blockers? Well, you know, if you, if you go back to OnBuy's infancy, we didn't have rewards. You know, we didn't have choice. We didn't have all of the sellers yet. You know, we still still have gaps. We still have gaps today. What you know, it's very difficult for us to go, hey, customer, come and shop on OnBuy. I don't know what if I was to go on TV and do an advert and say, Jesse, come on, come on on by and shop. I don't know what you're gonna look for. What do you need right now? You know, you might look for a, a bathroom cabinet. And we at the time, especially, may not have had bathroom cabinets. So to get on by to the point of ultra convenience where a customer could just take on by as their new shopping channel and change allegiance from what they've used, you know, for the past few years and move over to on by. Why? Like there was not enough of an answer to the why. And our job is to make sure we're constantly answering the why. So over the period of expanding on by, growing, it's all been based on delivering more value for customers. And if we can deliver more value for customers, then there's less reason for a customer to be hesitant to come to OnBuy. And we knew there was a really important question to answer when we started. I, I stood up in front of our team 
and I was holding a mobile phone and my, just my mobile phone. And I said, the day we answer this question, Onbuy will be one of the biggest companies in the world. Uh, and by answer the question, obviously you can answer the question, but by answering the question well with a solid answer. The question was, why should I buy this phone at the same price on Onbuy as what it is on Amazon today? You answer that question and you create a situation where Onbuy becomes unstoppable. And I think 2023 for us, it, although we've got all the pieces and we've been trialing lots of things, 2023 is the year that we truly answer that question. And that's why 2023 is such an important year for Onbuy. We're already the fastest growing e-commerce business in Europe. We're, we're, you know, we're the fastest growing, obviously, e-commerce business in the UK. And we've grown ridiculously. But I have to be honest and say, we're only just partially answering the question today. But in a few months' time, we'll start to kick in the pieces that will accelerate our growth because we actually answer the question. So we'll save that for episode two or for part two. I'm definitely looking forward to that conversation because I'm, I'm curious to see how what the answer is to the question. To come back to the point of products that are maybe missing for that consumer that is looking for the thing that you don't yet have, do you have any categories or, or subcategories that you're specifically looking to fill just in case there's anyone listening that, that can maybe help fill those gaps? Yeah, I mean, we we there are gaps uh, I, like any business that's trying to catch up to companies that are 25 years ahead of them. Um, there are gaps everywhere. You know, there's still tons and tons of opportunity on Onbuy and lots of searches that lead to a lack of results. So we know that there's lots of gaps. But the key areas for Onbuy at the minute would be sort of home and garden. So your lifestyle products, we include pet stuff in that, um, health and beauty. So we have a big health and beauty play. Outdoor living is a huge market for Onbuy. We, we have a big play into toys and games. Electronics has always been big for us. Um, tools and DIY. In fact, you know, we have 17 major departments. I wouldn't say that there's anywhere that we're not focusing on, but you know, the, the, out of the 17 departments, there's only a few, which is really collectibles and memorabilia and arts and crafts that aren't really getting the same kind of energy from our teams. And, you know, for obvious reasons, they're not as they're not as in demand from the consumer, you know. So for us right now, we're, we're looking very much at the, the, the mass market products. We also have a lot of fast moving consumer good gaps on, on by as well. So there's, there's, a, there's a huge play there. But I, I, the truth is, the, the, the honest truth is, we might be the fastest growing. We might have reached a really high sales number. But the headroom is enormous. There's so much opportunity. And I think that's why when you compare the sizes, people might go, well, if Amazon's 50% marketplace is, say, 14% of the UK market share, and you're only running at about one, let's say, as a, as a complete guide, you might say, well, they're not big enough yet. But then you look through another lens and you go, how many retailers are on Onbuy? How many retailers are on Amazon? What's the chance of a sale on Onbuy versus the chance of a sale on Amazon? And actually today, the, the chance of a sale on Onbuy is ridiculously high because we have four and a half thousand active retailers, active retailers, where they've listed all their inventory, the inventory, the products are for sale. That's not a huge number. And to achieve the successes that we've achieved um, goes to show how much we earn for our retailers, how successful our retailers can be. And you know, Amazon has hundreds of thousands of retailers. So 
actually the opportunity is to be a small fish in a small pond would be better than a, you know a, a small fish in a very 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 you know large amazon pond amongst lots of other fish so i think it's really important that people take that view when they come to opportunity i think the other side of it of course is it's it's going to be about as with any channel it's about looking at who your audience is because you're referring of course to the size of the e-commerce market in uk which is just a, a huge pool but if you dial down into that a little bit and you think about what percentage of people who want to buy products online do not like to deal with amazon for any reason they don't like to have to pay for a prime account or they don't like the way that the workers are treated in the warehouses or they don't like these sustainability aspects or you name it there's an ever-growing list of reasons why consumers are looking for alternatives to amazon and why there's that little voice in the back of your mind that's like, am I doing a deal with the devil here? If you've got products that align with that, maybe you've got sustainability-focused products and you don't want to be selling on Amazon, or maybe you've got other other products that would do well for your particularly, for your captured audience that is available on OnBuy, it's safe to assume that you could actually outperform other marketplaces, particularly like the older ones like eBay, where people regularly say that sales are, are dropping or, you know, if you've got products that are maybe well suited to one of those categories that is performing well, that, you know, you know that you've got a captured audience in the electronics category or whatever it is, it's not impossible to outperform Amazon if you're not performing as well there, because as you say, you're a small fish in that huge pond. Yeah, no, look, absolutely correct. And we do get a lot of positive feedback versus is eBay and we get mixed reviews from sellers from Amazon some saying I don't sell you know as much as I do on Amazon and some saying that I actually matched or in some saying that they've overtaken so you know Amazon is a, is a nut that we're cracking for sure I think it will just come naturally the more range we have on by the more vocal we can be with our consumer audience space and we can keep stretching the goals so you know fundamentally we're not as strong now as we will be in three years but at the same time, you know, when do you want the upside and the benefit? And realistically, we can do a lot of upside now and it's only going to improve. So I think there's a lot of sellers coming to us now because they've realized that we've reached that point of credibility in the space. You know, we've reached a size that is enough to come and actually add on to your bottom line and not just be a cost to, you know, or a chance or a risk or a whatever so you know that for us is a, is, a, is a key milestone and that's why we're dealing with an influx in retailers looking to onboard with on by now when we internationalize we expect that to grow further because we have even more opportunity you know and we're trying to get that underway as soon as we can so you talked about trying to provide that real customer-centric experience and i think one key part of that as you said is the is the price one way of helping to keep the price down and to compete with other channels is obviously by keeping your own fees down compared to other channels, not charging through the tooth through for advertising options and no end of PPC. You hear about sellers who immediately write off 40% for anything because that's just what it costs to sell on Amazon. Can you share some figures around what your commission rates are, your monthly fees? Are they standard? Are they cheaper than other marketplaces? Does it include extra promotional things? Yeah, no, we, we, we have... Basically a subscription, um, like many marketplaces. Um, it's a low-cost subscription. It's £19 a month. Um, you can upgrade it to 39 if you want to have some additional benefits, which are explained on our site. But it's optional, and you can go up and down anytime. 
Um, we charge a commission based on category. Now, obviously, you can imagine one of the, one of the tricky things with a, with a, especially with a scale up marketplace, not a big established marketplace, one that's actually trying to enter the market. We want to be competitive, but we also don't want to be too cheap. So, because then we can't actually deliver the size and scale that our retailers would love to achieve with a marketplace that they could, in theory, in the future partner with and just rely on for all of their sales because actually we don't compete we're not gonna you know whatever we've been there so for us our goal is to have competitive fees i think uh, it's quite safe to say we're competitive in every category versus amazon so slightly cheaper in every single one there are some exceptions on other marketplaces where they do things a bit differently and because of the revenues that they build from other sources they are pricing lower in some categories because they expect additional pieces of revenue we don't really do additional revenue at, on on buy at the moment we are we do have a, a system called boost designed to increase visibility off-site so retailers can boost their listings all of those activities are cpa so you only pay if something sells they're not cpc and later this year we do plan to launch a retail media engine for brands and for retailers if if, if they want to put some things in key locations or certainly not over the top you know i go onto some marketplaces now including the biggest in the world and in a in a in a last grab for revenue and an urgent push for profitability you know you search for a tv or something and it's almost impossible to find something that isn't an ad. And I think that that is the opposite of where we want to get to. I, I see a value in giving retailers the opportunity and brands the opportunity to put certain products in certain positions that haven't been earned organically yet. Right. There's an accelerant. There's a visibility play. There's a launching products to market. There's various arguments as to why we should have the ability for someone to put a product somewhere it hasn't earned yet. You know, a product might launch today and they want it at the top of the trainers category or the, you know, TV category because it's, it's launched today. There's no sales history. There's nothing to put it there. And then we are delivering the tools to put it there so that brand, brands can benefit from brand display. Retailers can get benefit from product display. But at the same time, the value of a true marketplace is in the organic rankings of products. And this is what I mean about how marketplaces over time, when they say that they're consumer centric, fundamentally, they're only, they're not consumer centric, they're centric to themselves. It's, it's always revenue, you know, and we have to remember that our job is to deliver for customers. The minute that you start delivering the true value for customers, you're already into a, a potential downward spiral. Spamming search results page with ads is probably the least customer-centric thing you can do, I think. Um, you mentioned organic sales based on the success of products. And I'm curious about relating that not to products, but to sellers or brands. If I'm a brand and I successfully sell multiple products on, on, on buy or on any marketplace, and then I add a new pair of trainers or whatever it is, and I've been selling there for years, and I've been delivering, I've got a 99.9% .9 on-time delivery rate. My customer service is great. My ratings are through the roof. Why does my new product suffer? Why can't it, why can't my brand alone help promote that new product? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a complex answer. I mean, it will, it will help a bit. So, you know, if, if we had a pool of unknown products on OnBuy, ones that haven't sold, and of the people selling those products, there's, let's say, one retailer just as an example for algorithmic discussion, 
one retailer who has a great track record, good numbers, good history. They've met a certain criteria, let's say, that, that we, we deem them internally to be a healthy seller, a good seller. At that point, your products would naturally on on-buy, organically on on-buy, become the best of the unknowns, right? Introduce another seller who might be an okay seller, not good, okay. They do the bare minimum. They don't go above and beyond like you, and, and their products now are, in, in, uh, you know, maybe they've sold. You haven't sold yet. You're going to be fighting because the system is going to be trying to pick out what's the most likely thing to sell. We don't know anything about your product. It's really easy in, a, in an analogy to say, I'm a great seller. I have a thousand products and I launch a new product. Why shouldn't my new product just be there because I can be trusted, right? It's a, it's a good question. But what if you created 10,000 products? Why, why would we put 10,000 products above products that we know sell just because you're a good seller? There's no indication that your brand new, ridiculously priced, terribly made product is actually going to sell like the others there's no indication that you see if you don't take a data-led display look at it another way how would you feel if you weren't that top 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 seller like you've made out you're you're a good seller you're on the platform you you, you meet all the metrics and you can't get your products viewed because that great seller who's done really well on some core lines because they've done they've got samsung products at a great price Customers are happy and they deliver them. Launches in T-shirts, right? And just dominate. So there's, there's, there's several angles there. What I will say is the way marketplace, definitely the way OnBuy works, is it, it's, it's all based on data. So the minute an item has sold, we start to lo- know a lot more about a product. First of all, we know it can sell, you know, and and, and the first sale is only the first bit of data, right? I mean, how, what's its velocity? And the more that we learn about products, the more we can, you know, uh, factor that into how we load results. So that's why if you were to launch a brand new product today on OnBuy and you were to drop it in a popular category, it's a brand new product, we don't know it, it's, it's fresh out, you launch it, there's no way on earth that that product's going to be in the top position on that category because there's going to be products in there that the customers already love have reviewed are buying in volume from trusted you know sellers the score isn't going to meet that rank and that's why penetration is so key and that's why in some cases advertising is a good accelerant and it should only ever be an accelerant. It shouldn't be the core product of the marketplace, which is why I think some of the marketplaces are losing their way because they've got green eyes and they're looking at the revenue, right? The 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 advertising should be a service that actually deploys value because if you've just, just if you've just made a new product and you have to list it on on buy and wait for it to sell, how's that actually helping you when you're a brand? So if you've launched Jesse's Super Trainers and you put them on OnBuy today and we didn't give you the tools to make to show the customer a Jesse logo, Jesse Super Trainers logo, here's the three latest products right at the top of a category where it has not earned, it's a chicken and egg situation. Like how do we show the customer the value of what you're offering? But realistically, 
Ombuy needs to be able to monetize that traffic because we're going to load those products above something that we know will sell and will sell well. And therefore, advertising is a great lever for brands and retailers. I think where it's going wrong is when you go on some of those other marketplaces and you type in TV and actually all you get is adverts. Well, now you're not saying advertisements are a great accelerant. You're saying advertisements are essential. And that's what we will absolutely avoid. Yeah, it is. It's the case with a few, you know, that are just becoming money hungry. But again, I go back to my first point. If you if you are great for customer and you deliver the value a customer wants, and that also customer, don't forget, marketplaces, two-sided, two customers, then you can flourish. And I think that the minute you stop doing that, I guess I could answer the question in another way or make the point another way. The number of sellers that speak to me on a regular basis and say, I can't wait for the day that I don't need to sell with this marketplace. Well, that goes to show you how much there's a lack of respect or, or partnership or value. It's just sales. It's just cost. It's just bottom line. But that's not enough. I mean, the, the, there has to be more. You know, I, I do believe that business is based on partnerships, relationships, um, trust. And there's a lot to be said in that. And we built the whole company off the back of those ethics. So we just have a different vision on how we do things. How do you guys generate that traffic? What sources are you using? Are you, I mean, search, I'm guessing there's like search engine marketing. You've got probably a, a pretty decent Google ads budget. I'm guessing you're advertising on, on like price comparison sites and you've got shopping feeds going from Mumbai to, to different channels. Am, am I right there? Or how are you, how are you actually getting traffic? I mean, yeah, that's one of the, you know, we, we, we split our traffic acquisitions for a few different buckets. You've got your brand awareness campaigns because we're trying to build a brand. And they're the ones that we really focus on growing because we want the customer to know, trust and rely on on buy. Right. Yes, we have a search engine slash um, performance marketing team that they bring traffic in. It's becoming less and less to the business as we scale out because our job is not necessarily just to sell products it's to earn customers in our ecosystem and benefit from the rewards um and then we have the biggest and most important piece of our business is retention so right now on on by i just want to be clear in case this ever gets lost if you were to look on balance i don't have the numbers right here in front of me but as a just a really high level the majority of our sales in any given month comes from returning customers not acquiring customers so it's the fact that once you've got people in the ecosystem of OnBuy and they understand the value of the business and the convenience and all of the good things that we try and deliver, that's the heart and soul of marketplace. The idea that you say to sellers, you know, when you join a good marketplace, not an early marketplace, not where we were, but where we are, the incremental sales, the customers you can't easily just reach by going live in the same places on by advertisers. That's not what you're doing, right? You, We have a new customer acquisition strategy, and then we obviously have an active customer strategy where we're bringing the customers back in because they know, trust, and, and, and they can be loyal with rewards to OnBuy as a platform. And that's the real value. That's the long-term value because we see that in a very short period of time, the goal, we're on the way there, but the goal is 80-20. We should only be bringing in 20% new customers. Sales should be 80% of the existing customer base. Do you know how big the existing customer base is, roughly? Uh, it's over 5 million. 
decent, nice, uh, nice basis to grow on. Uh, I think my final, my final question is just with regards to returns. Do you know? Uh, it's all about it's all good with all the number of sales, but do you know approximately how the return rates compare with other platforms? Yeah, I mean, we we've had some. It's really difficult because it's a cat, you know, category um, specific rate. But blended out ballpark, it it doesn't usually peak above ten percent. But that will be heavily influenced by some categories which are far more return centric than others. So there's some categories that are you know under two percent, and then there's others that that you know peak at sort of ten to fifteen percent as a as a, as a guide. So it, it you know closing, of course, on any platform. You know, <laughs> uh, clothing is the is the is the is the the obvious one. But I, I wait till you get to Germany. Yeah, um, but we're definitely not outside the realms of what is to be expected. And I think that's normal on a platform like on. But we don't necessarily make returns over simple for the customer. And what I mean by that is, you want to do the right thing for the customer, but you don't want to do it in a way that just makes it so simple to return something that buyer's remorse means that they can just do it for free and it's back and it's in and it's done and it's finished. Because fundamentally, you know, the return rates are no good for any of us. And we need to make sure that the customers don't just think that they can buy it and free easily just return it for the hell of it. You know, that cost to all of our operation is not sustainable. So we want to always be reasonable, but not to the point of being almost unreasonable to the business and the sellers. No, that's fair enough. Kaz, I'm I'm very conscious of, of your time. I think it's time we call it a day. But before we do, is there anything else that you'd like to share to our audience? No, I mean, obviously, I know and appreciate quite a substantial part of your audience is based in Germany and perhaps other areas in Europe. So I would like to call out that OnBuy is a, a great place to sell in the UK. I know that the cross-border challenges since Brexit have been very difficult, um, but hopefully have settled. And our team can definitely help if you reach out on onbuy.com slash sell. Um, there's definitely a, a way to access support to ask any of those questions. And I'm sure, you know, you can get the support um, through you, Jesse, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, fundamentally, we, we're here. It's a partnership. Um, later this year, we will uh, be back for another uh, podcast to talk about some of the new and exciting things we've got going and at this rate I, I can highly imagine there might even be another one to do with internationalization so I think there's, there's definitely a uh, it's definitely a good time to start a partnership with us and try and become a bigger fish in a smaller pond that might you know help your business to scale faster fantastic Kaz thank you so much for sharing all of this and for your time today it's been it's been really good and I'm looking forward to parts two and probably three by the sounds of it Yep, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Well, it sounds like there's some pretty big things happening at OnBuy later this year. So I'm confident Kaz will be back on again later in the year for a second episode to tell us all about that when he can. Until then, I'm convinced that if you're selling in the UK or are able to deliver to UK consumers, OnBuy should definitely be worth your attention as a sales channel outside of Amazon. If you are interested in getting started on selling on OnBuy, do reach out to me via LinkedIn to find out how eChameleon can help you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Marketplace Jungle. I've got some really great guests coming soon and I can't wait to share them with you all. Thanks so much for all the positive feedback on the show so far. It's been really great to hear that you guys are enjoying listening to this as much as I'm enjoying having these conversations. So yeah, thank you and thanks for taking the time today. I'll see you next time.